Welcome to Recommend or Refute. We are going to go around the table and each talk about a separate movie or television show or other random item that we watched this past week. Uh, with me, as always, are my co-hosts, John Garcia. Hey, happy to be here. Noticed you didn't lay on the oar. I guess you're not Ryan. So, uh, yeah, you know, uh, I just assume that we're going to be recommending <laughs> yeah. or, refuting. or refuting something, not and refuting something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and of course, Ryan King. Hey, I noticed you said TV shows uh, when normally that's a rule breaking thing. You're trying yeah, normally to re- I don't, I don't mention to, that option, yeah, uh, but I might be breaking yourself. Yeah. my own rule this time. <laughs> you're breaking your own rule. <laughs> Give uh, me your badge and your gun. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I am your host, Michael Dixon. I don't believe I introduced myself. My apologies. Uh, John, why don't you kick us off and let us know what you watched this week? Sure. So um, uh, this past Christmas, I was given a gift. It was a Blu-ray. I, no. A friend of mine found out that uh, I'm into schlock, horror movies, whatever else. And I, I don't actually know if he knows anything about what my tastes are. He just gave me this. So decided to watch it, crack it open. Um, and it's called The Stuff. It's a 1985 movie directed by Larry Cohen. Tonight, America is in grave danger. We are under alien attack by a popular dessert known as The Stuff. There is something alive in there. Tasty. There's something alive in yogurt. It's called benign bacteria. If The Stuff is in your house, do not eat it. If you have it on your shelves, do not sell it. If you distribute this material, close your doors, make no more sales. Enough. It's never enough. Um, and the premise is pretty simple. Um, some old dudes who are working on like a refinery site discover uh, a bubbling hot spring of goopy, sugary, sweet marshmallow mix. I don't know. And they're like, this is good. We should package this and sell it. And so they do. And the rest of the movie is about the ice cream companies fucking hate that this product has no dairy in it and is addictive and has yeah. all the sugary sweetness and none of the calories. Um, and so they hire a man who is the weirdest leading man I've seen in quite some time. He he's like walks around like he has a James Bond kind of swagger, but he has like a blue collar comedy tour stage hands, haircut and a wardrobe. And it's kind of just strange to see him do anything, but he's our hero. And, uh, he is hired. He plays David Mo Rutherford. And he tells everybody the Mo is because when anybody gives him money, he asks for Mo. Um, that he says that like okay. three times in the movie. And so they're like, all right, we're the ice cream guys and we're all these like rich dudes on a yacht. We're going to hire you to find out what's the secret ingredient in the stuff, which is what the fucking gooey stuff is called and marketed as. But it's the, not like just a naturally occurring substance. It's from like the core of the earth or some yeah. shit. They just, <laughs> yeah, they, they just that, package that, that shit up and start selling it. So he starts uncovering this conspiracy and we get like a, a B plot and a C plot too, where we follow some fucking kid in his Coney Island house or something. And his family is all addicted to the stuff. And they're like, you're going to eat that stuff. You get in your room and you finish your stuff. And yeah. <laughs> it's like this really fucking weird pressure around. Everybody's slowly becoming indoctrinated by whatever the stuff is. 
Um, and it sprawls out into this big kind of B movie conspiracy. Uh, I found it really entertaining. It was really fucking weird. It had some great, um, practical effects and some not so great. I think that they did what they could at the time, but there's a lot of things where like a giant blob of what looks like either shaving cream or marshmallow mix rolls across the floor or will absorb somebody start eating them. And everybody that eats the stuff slowly starts to hollow out inside. So whenever our hero Mo is punching the shit out of random zombies, which is they're not really zombie zombies. They're like regular people. He punches them like their fucking face falls off and there's just like cartilage and no bones and stuff inside. It's really fucking gross, like gruesome, gruesome. <laughs> it's fucking gruesome. Movie <laughs> broke your brain. <laughs> this movie yeah. just straight up did. Um, it, the, the main hero I found to be, he was just such a weird anti-hero he starts off by taking money to just go do this dirty job and then slowly forms into your typical he saves a kid has a love interest that comes out of nowhere which is not deserved at all he sits down with this woman and just compliments her three times and then goes hey you you made the marketing for the stuff my oil industry would love to hear about your marketing tactics and kind of like after that they go on a date and they fall in love i don't fucking know but later he's like you know the stuff's killing people and she's like i feel awful and he's like don't i'll tell you my secret i'm not an oil baron or whatever the fuck (laughs) it's just like these weird moments where i guess they just needed that to happen but really the monster is the main focus and the general commentary of the conspiracy which is how fast like he's just constantly asking people like how did the stuff make it to market and everybody just kind of shrugs and goes i don't know and eventually you find people that are like well, I just took a bribe, like, and I took money for this. And like the government systems here, like, oh, the FDA, they signed off on it. Yeah. But like all the people who signed off on it mysteriously died or went on vacation and never came back. And like, um, just pulling the threads of that, I was like, oh, there's, it it caught that same kind of, I like the B movies that have that social commentary going around. And it, the mid eighties when dieting is a fad and everything else is kind of coming out. I thought that this was interesting cautionary tale um i wouldn't say that it's like great the greatest or the best kind of thing but had a lot of practical explosions and oh nice just cool props and uh people you know their faces falling off and other shit happening that was weird (laughs) so that's interesting it sounds like a a a, like a mixed metaphor about like uh you know the food industry and and pushing sugary foods and like oil and mining and capitalism and all these things kind of roped into one weird horror metaphor. Is that kind of what it's going for? There's kind of like a, it it has that feeling and there are a lot of sequences where um, they really set up things to unnerve you, but they're also feeding you uh, along with like the visual tells to make you uncomfortable with the monsters and what's lurking around it. There's all of this like out in the open conversation where the dairy industry is actively trying to sabotage a competitive product because they want people addicted to their stuff. And the FDA is full of just human people who are willing to compromise their values to do this and that. And it did it. They have a guy named chocolate chip Davis or something. (laughs) Chocolate chip Charlie. And everybody's like, is that chocolate chip Charlie? And he's like, you fucking know it. Like he just shows (laughs) up into seeds and does that. And it was like, what the fuck is that? And it's also that later something can happen to him. That's like, reminiscent of john carpenter's the thing it was really interesting did they ever give like a what the stuff is or was it just like it doesn't matter like that wasn't uh, important they they're just like i just came from the earth who knows um but but they they also are like they have like an end sequence where somebody's like you could never stop 
the stuff from eventually taking over the earth. Like people are going to find locations where they can drill it and do all this other stuff. And the main guy's like, well, we'll have to find those places and tear them down too. And I was like, no, that's not, no, yeah. that's not going to work this way. <laughs> yeah. I always like it in a, in a B movie. I feel like it needs to have a vague pseudoscience that in, if you like, you know, walk by and overhear it. You're like, oh, okay, that's interesting science. If you stop and look at it, you're like, this isn't making fucking sense. My God, the yeah. molecules, they're replicating yeah. the process of photosynthesis. You normally see Yeah, this something like that. <laughs> Earth magnetism, iron core, something, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, the like you just need something. The birds have in their brains. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Here's the Earth. Pretend this apple is the Earth. And this flamethrower is global warming. <laughs> There's a great scene in this. I didn't mention this part. There's a great scene where a kid trashes an entire grocery store. And he's just going fucking ham on it. it. Takes like five adults to take him down. Yeah, it makes no sense at all. But somehow he goes from like aisle to aisle, just fucking shit up. And it it literally one of those things where they just rolled camera and told that kid actor like just do it, fucking whatever you can, even if you fuck up. And he like eats it. He hits like a box of cereal and trips and fucking eats it. <laughs> gets back up and starts wrecking shit again. It was great. Are you recommending this, John? Yeah, it's not like a, a recommend. You sounded pretty excited. You know, I recommend the stuff. It's uh, fat-free, it's low in sugar, um, and it's only 90 minutes, if I remember correctly. So, you know, it's, it's also low in time commitment. 87 minutes, I should say. It's there you go. The 80, there. It's Boom. only right. 87 minutes? <laughs> 87 I was minutes. like, I was looking at it, and they said they cut stuff out that, that the creators are like, yeah, it was a little bit more serious and sophisticated movie, but we had to cut stuff. And I'm like, but it only it was 87 minutes. You had to cut things to get down under 90? That's right. <laughs> like, you just didn't give that much of a shit? <laughs> but yeah I, I would recommend uh, studios you know uh ryan what do you got for us yeah i will i will break our rules a little bit vaguely rules that we don't always hold to anyway we established there aren't rules um, anymore <laughs> yeah and, and i wanted to talk about um trigun stampede he's like you not long for this world Way back. Remember that story I told you? About the man who found a blank ticket that could take him anywhere he wanted? Drop your weapon! Listen to the man! Where you go is yours to choose. Come on, Nash! Wake up already! I have a brother. He's out there. Vash, you haven't changed. Still lost in your dreams, eh? Listen to yourself! All these years and you're exactly the same! So long, Vash. There's an anime that was this last winter season anime, so 2023. It is a reboot, I guess. Anime is weird, where like reboots and remakes and whatever. It's hard to tell what they're doing anyway. Uh, Trigun was a 90s anime, or late 90s, early 2000s kind of anime, depending on whether you watched it you know, in Japan or when it eventually came to the States. It is one of those that ran on Cartoon Network. Um that was fairly popular, pretty popular with Western audiences, I would say even more so than Japanese audiences, but has kind of held its place. And at the time, it was a, it got ahead of its own uh, manga, and so it kind of made up its own thing as it went. And Trigun Stampede is an attempt to kind of bring back some of the stuff from the comics, but also a newer sort of interpretation of it and the characters. Um, I kind of wanted to it, it, we talked about serial experiments lane and it kind of just in my mind i've been going back to these things that i watched obsessively back in the day this was one of the first things that i kind of like stumbled on myself like it wasn't 
even for American audiences yet and watched um, and it kind of became <laughs> way too obsessed with um, just because it was that kind of like over the top ridiculous style. And to come back to it now in like a new updated version, they made a lot of interesting decisions. And initially people were either very on the fence or very off the fence. Um, and I, I kind of want to try to give some of the perspective of, of someone who liked the original show of like, what this newer one is and is it worth watching this um a lot of what people may mention is is full metal alchemist which also kind of did the same thing where it was a popular show it ran out of space made up its own fucking ending and then they came back and redid it um but actually it fixed up the ending yeah it really does full metal alchemist follows the beat to beat all the way through this one like doesn't it also mixes its own things up to try to somewhat surprise initially i wasn't into it I felt like the original show plays between being silly and being serious to like quite an extreme. Like some of the moments it gets, it get, does kind of get you thinking, gets you really kind of feeling for some of the characters and some of the serious moments. And when it's silly, it's just really fucking stupid, silly. Yeah. Uh, and it says weird tonal it is a very weird show because it constantly kind of flip flops through that. The beginning of it is really silly. And then the end, you know, by the end of the show, it's, mostly serious but there are those times where it kind of jumps back and forth the new updated version tends to kind of stay at a more steady not fully serious but not fully silly it just sort of follows that normal like it has its moments one way or the other but tends to be a more streamlined experience for better or for worse i think it gave them a chance to actually give more of the characters particularly the villains some more depth uh it did come at the expense of completely deleting one character who just doesn't exist in this universe at all and minimizing some of the characters from before. So some really big changes there. The animation is drastically different and I initially thought it was going to bug me, but this is a fully CG and where's it CG oh, on the sleeve. They're doing yeah, the we talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we've, we've talked about movie. that cause it's been interesting. So the dragon ball movie did this as well. Notoriously the berserk remake did it and was horrible. Um, which is awful to watch, painful animation. The studio that did this did Beastars, which is on Netflix, I believe. And they actually have somehow managed to pull off, like, I don't know, really good expressions, like motion, body expression, facial expression with CG that traditionally you kind of don't get. So I did find myself liking the animation, like, kind of in spite of itself. Like, they figured out I the wanted to hate it. Like yeah, they of... figured out the yeah, exactly. Uh and it and it does allow for more dynamic action, which is kind of why everyone has switched to CG, right? Cuz you can get more dynamic camera and, and all these kind of things that you know, Spider-Verse is a good example of just fucking nuts dynamic camera right through those action scenes that you can't do live action and couldn't really do in traditional animation. And so it allows the action to be even more over the top, which is fitting for the show. The music is gone, which I hate. Uh that was a bit of a problem for the Cowboy bebop remake like oh when you have something that's such a good existing what soundtrack was the, what was the music like before i can't even remember the old trigun so like the trigun also i don't even think we talked about the story of what trigun is yeah We've so talked about everything that it was based on <laughs> We've been, yeah the the old thing was is a mix of like jazz some electronic weird thing and a lot of it mainly was like kind of what you would hear in a western Billion double dollars. That's a lot of paper. The guys ain't worried. 
You got a few tricks up your sleeve. Do your worst, fellas. I should be ready. Yeah, a lot of that like bluegrass, western twang type stuff with like mixing in a little bit of like um, electronic metal sounds. Not metal the music, metal the like uh, the music from Tetsuo the Iron Man oh, <laughs> metal. Okay. What is that called? Yeah. <laughs> Nine Inch Nails uh, sounds. <laughs> um, the so the, the plot of Trigun. It takes a bit in the original to figure out what happened. Trigun Stampede tells you right off the bat. That's one of its big changes. The original one, you sort of have to figure it out as you go. This one just tells you up front that humans uh, got on giant spaceships and were sent out to space. They mostly were in cryogenic sleep during that time. And they've got some kind of power system thing. You sort of figure it out as it goes. But there's a giant accident that happens and the ships crash on this shitty planet that barely has water. There's like almost no natural resources. It's one giant desert. It's fucking Star Wars planet. That is just all one <laughs> giant desert. Uh, and more or less everyone kind of becomes outlaws. I think there's sort of an implication that the only people that survived the crashes, like most of the ships crashed and everyone died. And the ones that are left were like the criminals or kind of, you know, outlaw-ish people or whatever. And then they've created a society. And our main character was on these ships and has been alive for hundreds of years, you kind of find out relatively early on. And there is some mystery unveiling of of why. And his brother is just completely evil and wants to kill all of humanity. Uh, and so that's kind of your basis. It plays with this like Western, but weird futuristic guns and technology. Retro future Western. Yeah, but it kind of everything is in sort of a post-apocalyptic. Like everyone is barely hanging on. I think if you had never watched Trigun and you watch this, you'll really enjoy it. That there'd be a, like, man, this is cool. It's kind of cool. Get some interesting things in the character. If you watch the original one, you'll come and go from hating it and then liking it, like kind of back and forth. Like I kind of came out like, all right, I get it. It's its own thing, and it it is good on its own. Um, where, where sometimes there's reboot things where people like just watch the reboot and they're like, oh, it was amazing, and then you're like, no, you don't even know. Like what you watched was crap. It was such a better thing. This one is enough different, and I prefer if you're going to reboot or remake something, like please do something else. Like really do yeah. something else. Try to take to a different it. look at it. We, we've talked about remakes plenty of times. Yeah. yeah, and and this one is like it takes a bunch of gambles, and they honestly like pretty much pay off. I would say, uh, and the and just just to watch it for kind of the animation is is pretty interesting. I hate that the soundtrack is gone because I just used to listen to the soundtrack back in the day a lot. Yeah. The same thing with Cowboy Bebop. Uh, and that's a miss, a big miss. I, I liked uh, Castlevania is a good example of what we've talked about before, where they brought in the music sometimes from the games. Like those games have amazing soundtracks. Yeah. And so I can get where it's like, oh, if you're the person that's doing this, fine. You know, you want to do your own whatever soundtrack. The problem is it's not at all memorable, but whatever you want to do your own soundtrack. Can you bring in and remix some of the stuff? Like the recent Final Fantasy VII remake was really good about that too, of like, here's the songs you knew and love, but a new takes on them and we're doing something different and, you know, changing stuff up. If you're doing that with the show, why wouldn't you do that with the music too? Yeah. Uh, I think, I think that's kind of strange. If it's an established brand like remix and reprise or yeah, I don't know, adding your own flair to it to say that it's something new as it sounds like it has just a serviceable score, something that undercuts or not undercuts, but like underlines the drama and doesn't really do much more to assert itself, which is interesting. Yeah. So I, I give it a recommend. I, going back, I just went back and watched all Trigun, and I, I still give it a recommend. It is in that, like, 
just off normal section of anime where I'm like, yeah, if this is your first one, probably not. If you're younger and your like mind is open to like, I want to watch any random shit, you'll enjoy it. But if you're like, oh, I watch actually like, you know, some decent, te- decent television, what's anime like? You're probably going to be like, that was dumb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there and, is and, a, and, there's a character named Roberto De Niro. Uh, <laughs> what's up with yeah. that guy? He he's a new addition, and I I it's really strange to me that so uh, there's a character named Meryl Strife, <laughs> so, well, who was in the original that I actually think was coincidental, but I have to think now I'm like no they knew what they were doing and what they were what they were naming uh, William DeFriend, <laughs> yeah he and but there doesn't seem to be anything else other than doing that. Oh, he's not that like name. I don't know similar to De Niro in any way or anything. No, he just plays the, he absolutely plays the, like, drunk-ish cop who just doesn't give a shit about anything anymore uh, mm. mentor character, and that's kind of about it. Like, he wasn't in the comic or the original show. I don't think he particularly brought something exciting to add him. Uh, they, Meryl Strife, who's the uh, the main kind of peop- people we follow through as they chase Vash the Stampede. There are a lot of characters that have a the and then something weird after it. In in the original, uh, there were two female characters that were insurance adjuster. Okay. Following Vash around because they were trying to determine if uh, people, they could pay out the insurance or claim that he was an act of God. <laughs> and, then not, and then not have to pay out. And so that was the concept. And, and honestly, yeah, in both shows, wherever Vash goes, destruction follows. And it's usually pretty catastrophic destruction. Uh, and that's some of where the, a bit of the comedy does come from in the early parts of the show. They've replaced it now where Meryl, instead of being a strong character on her own, that is, she has her own like weapons and fighting skill and competency in the original. Instead, now we have uh, not Robert De Niro as our main kind of guy following. And he's just like a, cop that they kind of get sidelined into accidentally bumping into Vash over and over again and Meryl is his junior and she wants to oh no sorry they're not cops they're reporters fuck cops they're they're reporters so he's the washout reporter that doesn't give a shit and Meryl's the up and coming we're gonna get a great story out of following Vash around Uh, and yeah it was a dynamic that I was like it's a little bit weird it sort of makes sense of like why they would be following him and it's a more realistic premise I guess I think maybe that's what they were going for but in, a, but in a show where a guy has a giant cross he carries around on his back that turns out to be a gigantic laser gun slash gun with pistols in it slash transforming gun thing, like, do we need to be like, but news people would follow it around. Like, we, yeah. we don't care. Yeah. <laughs> we really don't give a shit. My last question, there's another character named Millions Knives. What a, That's what's the, the main villain. That's the main <laughs> the villain. Main villain. Yes. <laughs> the main villain. <laughs> Millions villain. Villains. Yeah, that's the main villain. Millions knives. Is he uh, just a bunch of knives? He's a weird dude. He does in this version have a bunch of knives that like he could mentally control that are kind of all around him. So they do kind of actually give it Damn. a vague reason. Yeah. yeah. The cast of bad guys in this is completely ridiculous. There's like a guy with a saxophone that can like control people's minds. And shit. Amazing. <laughs> yes. A Love dude, that. Yeah. A you dude that's just like a the lead, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> you got to no, lead you, with you these guys. Early on in the new versions. Yeah. They're just a completely ridiculous cast of villains. 
I would love yeah, to a see whole... a acid western with these kind of villains. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the weird western, acid western. Like this is a this is a perfect spot in that. Yeah. Nice. So you were recommending this, Ryan? Yeah, I give it a recommend. I kind of get recommend both. Um, for anime fans, I would say yeah, go for both. If you're on the outside, like looking in, probably not the best thing from the winter season. Like there's more things that are just like good to get into. But if you're like, ah, hey, watch some anime. I'm in for some sort of weird off the wall sometimes stupid sometimes serious stuff and yeah, dystopian punk western <laughs> yeah i i've talked about before like serial experiments lane we talked about is i think that one's approachable from the outside it's weird but you get you kind of get into it um and so it can be kind of a gateway drug trigun could be if if you're like already predisposed to random shit cool uh, so I am going to bring us home, uh, shockingly, by talking about a television show. I don't watch very much TV. Uh, I, I usually watch movies because I prefer stories that actually make sense and have an ending and like know where they're going. And <laughs> I, I, I hate TV shows that like string you along and then they get bad, but they keep getting funding. So they keep making it and you feel pot committed and you keep watching. And before you realize it, you've wasted eight seasons of some sort of shit show that's not very good. Uh, but when I do watch TV, I tend to watch um, either like a limited series or a half hour comedy uh, type of show. And uh, the show I'm going to talk about is Brockmire, which uh, originally was an IFC show. Jim Brockmire, how are you? Still dreaming about getting back to the major leagues. That's how I am. Pedro delivers a slider into the dirt, count evens, one and one. I miss having the best seat in the house and making every single moment come alive for people. Fastball misses, just low. That one is way back there. Feels like you're a slice of apple in America's favorite kind of pie. That's either out of here or lost inside my wife's big, fat, cheating vagina. Seriously, though, I do miss it. Welcome to the minor leagues, Jim Bachmeyer. Ten years ago, your breakdown in the booth was like the original viral video. You think I'm ever going to be remembered for anything except for the worst moments of my life? You're brutal, Brockmire, to the day you die. <laughs> for the record, Sambuca tastes better on the way out, folks. So... No one watched it. I remember that. Yeah. It's an IFC yeah. short, wasn't it? Was uh, it, short? it was based on a Funny or Die short, uh, but okay, then they turned it into a show on IFC several years later. Uh, the Funny or Die short was written by Hank Azaria uh, of Simpsons fame, uh, playing Moe and Chief Wiggum, uh, other hilarious characters. This is definitely the best thing that he's ever done. And I'm a huge Simpsons fan, but this is the best thing he's, he's ever done. He plays an alcoholic major league broadcaster who speaks in his announcing voice at all times, uh, <laughs> whether or not he's announcing a game or, uh, you know, hanging out at a bar or mid coitus, he is talking in his announcer voice. And uh, the, the show came out in 2017, flashes to 2007, 10 years ago. He's announcing a baseball game and uh, he tells the world how he just walked in on his wife Plowing our neighbor Bob Greenwald, and folks, I do mean right in the ass. Uh, that's my Jim Brockmeyer impression. And he, uh, he goes on to talk about how his wife is cheating on him in graphic detail and uh, like is drinking an entire bottle of rye whiskey on the air and uh, ends up you know, getting fired from that job. 
uh, going on like a 10-year bender around the world where he calls cockfights in Manila and other, other things like that, just keeps <laughs> announcing random things, and finally makes his way back to the U.S., to the small town of Morristown, Pennsylvania, to uh, announce the, uh, their minor league baseball games. And he thinks he's getting a radio deal. Turns out he's just the PA announcer. And the owner of the team there, played by Amanda Pete, is trying to gain some publicity for the team. And she's going to put clips of him announcing on, uh, on the internet to try to get some attention. Uh, Brock Meyer does not realize that he has uh, gone viral since he has, has left the country. And like everybody knows who he is and knows all the worst moments of his life very intimately. But he's been off the internet, off the grid for 10 years and is coming back into the world and discovering this. Um, I, th- I think Brock Meyer's just an incredible show. It's one of the most well-written pieces of television or film that I have ever seen. I think it's just, it's so eloquent in the way that is is written. It's hilarious. Like, you know, you have the lead character is a, is a broadcaster. So he's very, you know, kind of verbose in, in the way that he, he speaks. And the, the show is just really well written in, in his conversations. And it's, it's really funny, but it is also like a biting satire on kind of America and where, um, where we are now and where we're headed. Um, I'm going to focus this on season one, because I think that's a little bit easier to kind of stay on that. But, um, Morristown, Pennsylvania is this small town that has been destroyed by fracking and uh, out, you know, offshoring of jobs. And it's just been like, you know, like a lot of middle America just been kind of destroyed by globalism and, and these other things. And uh, like they they focus on that a lot in the show and, and kind of point out how like baseball is the only kind of distraction that a lot of these people have to rely on. Um, I mean, the, this, the stuff in the town and, and kind of the commentary on American society is really interesting, but it's definitely background. Like the show is about Brockmire and his alcoholism and trying to kind of uh, deal with all of his issues and reenter society and, and kind of find himself and, um, you know, grow as a person and get back to where he once was. He's determined to become an MLB broadcaster again, but he's stuck at this, you know, probably independent league base minor league baseball team announcing these games that you know no one can hear like at one point he's like he's like i don't need a microphone to talk to 12 people and he just like brings down the window and he starts shouting at the stands or at at the fans and um it's like there's so many lines that are so good that i quote to friends all the time and no one ever knows what i'm talking about but uh i went to scotland about a month ago with some friends i introduced it to some of them as we were drunk at the airbnb and uh not a uh, you know too drunk to do anything else so we sat around and watched brockmire and uh they really loved it and it inspired me to go through and watch the whole thing again recently um but yeah it, one of my all-time favorite shows um john i know you have some experience with brockmire right oh yeah i've watched all of season one i have not watched beyond that because i was gonna watch it with my dad and then he went and watched it all without me oh no kind of like, <laughs> oh, well, wow, fine. Nice. uh that's that's dirty thanks dad um, but I, I love season one. I love Hank Azaria and it, I think he just such, does such a fucking great job. And the short oh God, that it's based so on is hilarious too. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's a real, I mean, it is baseball terms, but it's a real fucking home run from a comedy perspective. <laughs> uh, it's hard not to, the one episode I think of from season one, um, is like when Jim just decides to start spouting a bunch of bullshit about the other team to rile up the crowd. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think about that nonstop because there's a whole moment where he's like, folks, true story. Back in the days of the mills, 
carried picket signs. It was folks from Butler who scabbed and stole those jobs, and I mean right out from under your ancestors. Jim, Jim, that's not true. Shut up. It feels true. <laughs> and it just like the way that he says that, I'm like, my God, this is America. <laughs> That's definitely uh, the first, very first episode and that episode where he's rallying up the, the crowd are yeah. two of my absolute favorite episodes in the history of television. And just so good. Like he's, he's really pissed off because his wife has come back into his life and he's like, he can't deal with that. And yeah. he's like taking it out on the opposing fans. And he's like, uh, um, he's like, folks, I was in Butler the other day and there was a, I saw a take a penny, leave a penny tray. So if you smell the red rot of communism, that's blowing in from the township of Butler. It's like, just trying to encourage a riot and get all this, you know, the crowd to go fight everybody. Oh, Between that and his fucking Jerry's gelatin rant. Gelatin is made from the bones of slaughtered cows and pigs, which are then crushed and treated with acids and chemicals until they're reduced to a fine collagen powder. <laughs> Fastball just catches the inside corner 0-1. I ask you, Morristown, what kind of a creature doesn't just kill its prey, but then uses science to rob it of its very living essence? Stevens just misses with a breaking ball outside. Count evens 1-1. It's like, there's nothing genuinely good about human beings. It's not really a soul, more like the lack of a soul. Next time you want to stare into the gaping yawn of oblivion, don't look into the mirror. No, no. Or don't look up to the heavens. No, no. Just look straight into the mirror. Strike three called and that'll in the eighth. That was, yeah, Hank Azaria's whole like impetus for doing that was he just loved how much sportscasters could carry on a bullshit conversation and still call right. the game. And he uh, wanted to just do that. Yes. Like he says <laughs> so all these great. crazy things, but he ha- keeps doing the count while he's doing <laughs> it. And it's just, it's so funny. It's the bit that keeps on giving. Yeah. So good. How, how does it go from like season to season? You guys are mentioned, you mentioned season one, but uh, it's only four seasons, but how, yeah. Four seasons, eight episodes pace, each. Or does it, does it stay on pace or does it get better or worse or i think the first season is so good i think it's hard for to quite reach that high again Mm -hmm. but i think seasons two and three are also really excellent maybe a slight step down but but really really good and then season four is is a fairly big drop off but it's still good and it's just wild it's like very high concept it moves into the future and it's just like oh, yeah. it's it's fascinating to watch and it's definitely worth watching if you like the first three seasons uh but like there's a like an ai that basically like takes over the world and, and all this crazy stuff like they're they're trying to like figure out how to get people to watch baseball in in 2030 and, and it's, uh it, it, okay. it's pretty it's pretty interesting but um each season moves to a new location and is kind of dealing with um, kind of a different stage of Brockmeyer's life and the things that he is going through. Um, I think they do a really good job of making it not like it, it feels fresh every season because they're they're moving to a new location and they're dealing with a whole new set of issues and side characters who bring up different aspects of of Brockmeyer that he is you know trying to fix about himself and uh things like that so there's one where jk simmons is is a prominent side character um there's you know some some pretty good um bits joe buck is a recurring character there's a lot of real announcers that come into the show and uh it's pretty it's it's pretty good yeah interesting thinking about hank azaria he is phenomenally talented but i can't think of anything else that he's the lead on i can think of some things where he's kind of in the front in the ensemble and a lot yeah. of things where he's just a secondary 
not even secondary, like tertiary character that comes in for like lat, which he's, I mean, he's excellent. He's an excellent like character or whatever, but to have a chance to be the main carry is interesting. Yeah. Cause I can think of, I can only think of like, even off of this mystery men. Oh, and, yeah, he was in mystery men and uh mystery Alaska. Remember mystery Alaska of the, of the only things where he's like, on it and in the or and then the like the birdcage he's tertiary in the the birdcage remake with robin williams but i'm like that's it everything else it's like he's a very small bit parts or whatever mystery alaska is some fucking dumb ensemble <laughs> movie about a hockey team in a small alaska town thing yeah, <laughs> yeah i mean I, i've heard hank's area talk about it kind of developing the role and it's like he just grew up as a baseball fan in the 70s and just kind of like developed a kind of a, a generic baseball announcer voice that he liked doing and then, you know, wrote that bit for Funny or Die. And then much like several years later, um, Joel Church Cooper like developed the show with him and came to him and was like, oh, I really like this, this bit. I think we could turn this into a show. And they kind of developed it together and brought the, the concepts to, uh, you know, to a longer form thing. But yeah, it's, I, I love seeing him have the opportunity to, you know, showcase his talents in a more leading role. And he's so, he's so fucking good in it. Like it's, he's hilarious, but it's also a very deep flawed character and he gets to do a lot like more interesting work than I think he's ever gotten to do before. This has one of those things too, where like the, it's the show is carried by its star and you know, the character of Jim Brockmeyer, but like Hank Azaria doesn't stop with the show itself. Like, I've seen so many interviews and I fucking love watching him go as Brockmire uh, yeah. to anything and interview people or he'll be on Sportsnet. He actually has a podcast. I, I don't think it's still on, but th there were like 10 episodes of it called the Jim Brockmire podcast. And he would interview famous people like the first episode is with Charles Barkley and he interviews him <laughs> as Jim Brockmire. And of course, he points out like all the horrible things that Charles has done in his life. And he's like... <laughs> Uh, he's like, you know, do you ever, do you think any, any other basketball players have spit on as many children as you have, Charles? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's about all these old, you know, things that have happened to him and he, he'll just invent stories off the top of his, his head. Like Charles was talking about like one time he got a DUI and it, he'll, you know, invent some crazy story like, oh yeah, you know, I, I once got pulled over while on PCP in Manila and had to spend the night in prison, you know, just like invent some crazy <laughs> goes, story yeah. off the cuff that just like, yeah, it's, it's pretty, and the guests seem to have a really good time with it because Azaria is just joking and, yeah. and saying all this crazy shit. The power shit. of improv, yeah. uh, generous artist. <laughs> and it's, it's interesting because I'm like, Azaria is so talented because he really is like the glue of the Simpsons where he's he is, not yeah. any, yeah, he's not any of the like main cast, but he's like 75% so of, of the rest of the cast. Him yeah. and Harry Shearer. Yeah. Oh yeah. Really... Harry Shearer pulls out a ton of weight too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's kind of, I, I don't know. It's interesting. I wonder if like he just is happy with the cash. I mean, he's made i'm sure he's right? made so You're much money man. off the simpsons he's won like six emmys off the simpsons you know like he's he can just keep doing that and be fine but um i'm glad that like he seems to just genuinely enjoy doing the brockmire thing and um yeah he his character wears this like plaid sport coat that he that hank azaria bought before they did the funnier die sketch at a thrift store for 12 dollars, and it's still it still he uses it in all the you know every episode of the show he's wearing that jacket when he goes on interview tours as brock Meyer, he wears it and yeah. so good yeah that's funny 
But uh, yeah, whenever I watch that show, I just want to talk in a baseball announcer voice all the time. It's so. hard not to want to. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, damn, color commentary is fun. <laughs> yeah. He also will just announce things as they're happening. Like it just, you know, he announces himself having sex in one scene. Like he announces just different <laughs> things that are happening to him. And it's just so, oh my God, it's, it's, it's so good. The bit never gets old. It's amazing but. because uh, I've, since I know my dad worked in radio for a really long time and I've met a lot of radio personalities and voices. Some people really just can't turn that kind of voice off. And it's amazing to meet them in person. Oh, I bet. And just have yeah. them like, they have like a booming voice that just, oh, you're immediately like, I will listen to whatever the fuck you say. I don't care. <laughs> and that's, that's the Jim Brockmeyer voice. It's just great. <laughs> it's got that same kind of smoothness to it. One of the, well, I think the, one of the funniest jokes in the show, one line that I quote all the time is like, they, they cut to Brockmeyer having sex. <laughs> and he says, if you're just joining us, we've got a good one going here. <laughs> 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 and I, I say that all the time about just random stuff and nobody knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, well, nice. But uh, Solid wreck. Solid wreck, I say. Yeah. Uh, highly recommend. Uh, John, you should watch the whole thing. And uh, yeah. Ryan, you should, you should check it out. I think you would you enjoy see, it. Well, I... Uh, see, if, see if I can rope Darla into, into one season at least. Yeah, if yeah. she watches the first shot. season, she actually might be hooked on the yeah. drama it's if and it's a show that like if you like the first episode you will definitely like the show if you don't like the first episode you definitely won't so like you will know right away yeah. whether it's your kind of thing um but yeah it's on hulu now so it's much easier to find than it was when it first aired so i'm hoping that more people will you know kind of come across it now so yeah no well, i look forward to binging two three and four seasons so uh, I'll do nice. that sometime this year. I did reservation dogs for Ryan. I can finish Brockmire <laughs> and call it a thing for Dixon, but honestly, it's for me. I oh, it's Brockmire, definitely so. for you. Yeah. <laughs> eight, nice. eight episode seasons are pretty easy to. Yeah. And yeah. Half minutes, hour. Episode, yeah. I mean, yeah. 22 minute episodes, yeah. eight episodes. It's really not, not bad. That's yeah. a, that's a low commitment. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, I have been your host, Jim Brockmire, and uh, we've got uh, three recommends here today. Uh, John. You recommend it? Recommend for the stuff. Uh, you know, it was just a, a humble, small B movie from the 1980s. Uh, and it's all about how food can kill you. Uh, go figure. Uh, yeah. Ryan, what did, uh, what did you have, Ryan King? Yeah, I recommended the uh, Trigun Stampede. I don't think I have a baseball announcer voice. I'm the other baseball, the one that has no clue what the fuck is going on. And is the color commentator <laughs> yeah. guy. Funny. That yeah, like probably more the color being. commentary. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah Joe uh, to the Teddy Atlas. <laughs> Yeah. Didn't John, didn't we do a bit? I guess maybe I do kind of have one because we would do that where we would just say whatever was going on at work. Oh, yeah. There was a, <laughs> a, a time at work when I really wanted to be an announcer and just walk yeah, over to we people were... and be like, oh, here he is. It's a small town boy from this place and <laughs> seems to be working on code. He could make it up this time. Who knows, people? We've seen it before. We've seen it again uh, a million times, you know, the story. <laughs> Yeah, I always went with that. Yeah, it was the same sort of thing. Like, hey, John, you know what it's like to get something stuck in a printer, right? Tell us about that. Let's just kind of throw to you. Struggling with the printer again. This is week three. Week three, everybody. We're you know that stuff just gets, it just gets jammed in there. There's nothing you can do about it. I fought I would, with him yeah, so many now times. I, just, I want a Brockmeyer multiverse where I just see Brockmeyer, Nick Cage, Brockmeyer, give me all of it. I don't care. <laughs> well, we all can't have the deep, sultry tones of Jim Brockmeyer, so... Uh, thank you folks for joining us this week with me as always. It's John Garcia. 
And, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to fucking call the game all the time. So that's just <laughs> what my voice is, you know? And, of course, Ryan King. I once had my wealth and power, and all I have is my podcast in this thermos. 